humans, hello humans of the world. It's me, Ellie Krug, Ellie 2.0 Radio on lovely AM 950. How are you today? I am thrilled to be here. I am thrilled uh, that it's Saturday, uh, August 6th. I'm not thrilled that <laughs> we are getting close to uh, Labor Day. <laughs> and, you know, you know what that means. So... All right. Well, welcome to LD 2.0 Radio, where we talk about idealism and idealist people who are trying to change the world for the better. And boy, do we have a great show for you today. Uh, the big interview is with an idealist from Rotary International, um, a service organization that I also happen to belong to. And then, of course, in my C block, I'll talk about my work as an idealist. But as we almost always do, let us begin with this week's featured idealist. And to do that, <laughs> Let me share a quick story. Now, as many of you know, uh, I live out in Victoria. Uh, it's a town of, at this point, about twelve or 13,000 in Carver County. So, as I joke, it's on the edge of the prairie. I live on the edge of the prairie, and yesterday I got on my bike, and I took a bike ride. I went one point something mile, and I hit dirt road, gravel road, and all there were around me were farms, and I absolutely loved it. Corn and soybeans and hay. Mm. Ah, what a great bike ride. Okay, now, I also happen to live in the next town, I mean, the next town over happens to be Chaska, which last weekend had a three-day long celebration called Chaska River City Days, which it was a combination of artist booths, some live music, food trucks and tents, which includes a beer tent, of course, and vendors' booths. Now, I rode my bike down there uh, last Saturday night at about 6 in the evening, and I met with a rotary friend. This is a, like a rotary show here, who was working the rotary beer and wine uh, tent. And um, I then grabbed a burger and uh, sat at a picnic table listening to music, eating the burger. You know, I know this is probably a little bit too much more detail than what you need, but as I sat at the picnic table, a young woman, she was maybe late 20s, um, pushing, she was pushing a baby carriage, stroller, maybe had a one-year-old baby um, in the stroller. She came walking by. And she stopped, uh, looked around. It looked as if she was like looking for some place to sit. And I motioned, I motioned for her to come sit across from me on the picnic table. Oh, yeah, I am that kind of person most of the time. We started to get to know each other a bit, and she related that she was a single mom <clears throat> who worked at a chain restaurant as a server, something that she had been doing for three years. It was, um, she works about 30 hours a week, which means she's got no benefits. And then she related that she actually would like to be a carpenter. Her father apparently did some carpentry work. Um, he sounded like he was retired, but he also did some projects for people, um, and she had helped him in the past um, with some of the projects. You know, I told her that the billing trades were looking to bring more women and people of color. Um, the woman also happened to be black. Were bring, the building trades want more women and people of color in their ranks. And she had not heard that. And so I pulled, I did, I pulled up my phone uh, and uh, Googled the local Carpenters Union apprenticeship program and their website uh, page. I showed it to her. And I urged her, go investigate this. Investigate it. And she was appreciative. I also happened to give her my card and told her to contact me if she ever needed anything. 
Now, I tell you this story, this way too long story, because this week's featured idealist is a woman and her organization that's aimed at helping women get into the construction trades, okay? And what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a very quick break, okay? And I'm going to come back and tell you about this woman and her organization. You'll like this story. You will like it, okay? All right, we'll be back in a second. Thanks. And we're back. LE 2.0 Radio. Okay, so before we took the break, I was telling you about my meeting with, a random meeting with a, a young woman, a mom, a single mom, uh, who had an interest in getting into the construction trades. So today, as I'm preparing for the show, um, I went to my, one of my uh, standbys where I try and find idealists. By the way, it's, there's no secret about it. I, I love going to the CNN Heroes uh, website. And it turns out um, there's an idealist um, by the name of Nora Spencer who has created an organization called Hope Renovations, um, which was highlighted by uh, CNN in May, on May 19th in a piece written by uh, Kathleen Toner. The title of the piece is, quote, uh, The Power of DIY, do it yourself. This CNN hero helps women build new lives by training them for construction careers, unquote. And I'm like, oh, this is quite interesting. And as the story, the CNN story related, Nora Spencer grew up in a family where men did the home repairs and small improvements. It sounded like a very traditional you know, something's broken, well, your dad or your brother's going to take care of it. Later, when Nora married, she decided to learn how to do some renovations on her own. As she explained, she said she had very expensive taste and couldn't afford those renovations if they had to pay somebody to do it. She bought tools and experimented with the help of YouTube videos. Soon she was doing side jobs where she was in the presence of professional contractors who, you know, were willing to show her the tricks of the trade. And as she did that, the one thing that struck her was that there were no other women at the job site. And it struck her that maybe she could change that. Now, along the way, Nora also got her degree in social work at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Uh, she's from a town just outside of Chapel Hill. And as she was interviewing um, and, and working as an intern at a women's shelter, Nora suggested that the women get into the building trades as a way to transform their lives. But the women, time and again, said it seemed impossible to get in the building trades because they didn't even have the basic skills. Now, all of this got our idealist, Nora Spencer, thinking. And in the summer of 2020, as the pandemic was raging, Nora Spencer launched Hope Renovations, um, a nonprofit with the goal of giving women and non-binary humans basic skill sets to enter the construction trades. Her program uses a teaching curriculum developed by the National Center for Construction Research and Education that teaches about safety, first aid, construction math and drawings, basic carpentry and tool use. This is a 10-week course for women. And after that, the students 
women and non-binary people can take a six-week Construction 101 Building Fundamentals course where students learn to do framing, drywall hanging, and basic plumbing and electrical. I got to tell you, I'd like to take this course. Even more, Hope Renovations provides support including um, a weekly stipend for childcare and transportation to ensure that the students, remember women and non-binary people, have no barriers to completing the courses. Then Nora's nonprofit helps the students network with local trades, provides interviewing skill sets, resume building, that type of thing, and one-on-one coaching to students um, so that they can you know, be prepared for what it takes to work in the building trades. This is, a, I mean, this is way more than just come, you know, do your time in a classroom and there you're on your way. To provide practical experience and to further the idealistic men- mission of Hope Renovations, students go into the homes of elderly res- residents to build ramps or railings or other things that will help people to stay in their homes as they age. It's called aging in place. It's a phrase I don't know if I'd heard before I read about it on the website for Hope Renovations. And there's a huge demand for this kind of work, going, that is going into people's homes, particularly of the elderly, helping them, helping uh, you know, adapt the house so that they don't have to move out of it. There's a huge demand for it. And the problem is all the construction trades are so busy, okay? You know, like, you know, try and get a hold of somebody. And so they're filling a niche here um, that's too small for two jobs that are too small for the big contractors. As for metrics, all right, since 2021, I mean, remember, they've only been around a year. I mean, two years. Since 2021, Hope Renovations has graduated 41 people, of which 30 are still in the construction trades. That's a pretty good statistic. All the, all the jobs that the grads are working pay more than $15 an hour. Now, remember, 15 is the new, it's the new, you know, um, minimum wage in many places. It, don't, don't get me started at how we've not changed the minimum wage in a decade, and a half, maybe two decades, I don't know. It's a long time. And, uh, and what Hope Renovations has also done is they've helped nearly 80 people aged 55 and, uh, and above with renovations to keep them in their homes. Think about this. This is a phenomenal concept. Once again, Nora Spencer and Hope Renovations are an example of one person's determination to make a difference in the world by thinking and acting outside the box. I urge you to go to the Hope Renovations website. Just type in hoperenovations.org, okay? Hope, H-O-P-E, renovations, with an S, dot org, and read about the great work that Nora Spencer and her colleagues are doing. They have a wish list too. If you go there, they have a wish list. Like they're looking for things like everything from safety goggles to saw blades that you can buy for them. You get them shipped to the facility. Okay. And they'll thank you. They'll send you a thank you for doing that. Wonderful, wonderful concept. Very idealistic and making a difference, positive difference in the lives of women and non-binary people who otherwise would not have the opportunity to bootstrap themselves from one place to another big place on the economic ladder. Okay. All right. Next up is the big interview with Lloyd Campbell of Rotary International. Stay tuned. You're going to love listening to Lloyd. Excuse me. To listening to Lloyd. He is, he is very, very charming. We'll be back in a second.
And we're back. Ellie 2.0 Radio and lovely AM 950. Go do me that favor and go check out hoperenovations.org. Please do that. It's a wonderful organization to know about, um, created by a wonderful idealist. And speaking of idealists, for the big interview, as I promised, okay, we have Lloyd Campbell, who is the district governor for District 95950 of Rotary International. Lloyd, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. I'm thrilled to have you here. We should also make sure that we note that you are the newly installed district <laughs> governor. Okay, and we, um, we, we're thrilled to have you on the show. First, we need to make sure my listeners remember, because I have talked about being a Rotarian before that I am a, a Rotary member. I actually happen to be a member of a Rotary that's part of District 5950. And Lloyd, um, first of all— uh, We love to have you as a Rotarian, no, too. Well, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, okay. All right. But um, tell us first a little bit about you. You, uh, what, What's your regular profession and how long have you been involved with Rotary? Oh, great. Uh, my regular profession is that I'm retired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been in Rotary now for about a little more than 10 years. And let me just give you a little bit about my background and some of the things that has, uh, I guess, happened to me is that I'm a very lucky person. Because uh, my wife is a physician, and she's 100% behind my uh, service activities. Uh, and uh, she supports me 100%. And my two boys are also Rotarians. So 10 years ago, we were offered this opportunity to come to Glenwood, Minnesota, which is, for people who don't know, is in the western part of the state. It's about uh, two and a half hours away from here. And when we were there, the town is about 2,500 people. So when we got there, uh, I think we were there a couple weeks, uh, a person approached me and said, would you love to have lunch with, with me? I said, free food? Sure. Uh, and that's when I was introduced to Rotary and um, just fell in love with the concept and the idea of what Rotary is all about. For me, it started with, oh, I, I need to look on the Internet to see what this is all about. Uh, Unfortunately, the Glenwood Club didn't have a website uh, or a, uh, a bulletin, so uh, uh, electronic bulletin. So I had to go to the international website. And, wow, the first thing I saw was uh, different people from around the world, people of color, uh, women involved, young people. And I said, yeah, this is what this is what I need. Yeah, well, that was not of. Glenwood. That's what <laughs> Rotary. That was that was Rotary International. That was Rotary International. <laughs> and I always tell people now that when I uh, I talk about Rotary, is that I was tricked into becoming a Rotarian <laughs> because that's what I thought my that club was going to be like. So uh, you know, I, I went to the meeting, but I, I I met some extraordinary people. I met the uh, the mayor of the city and a variety of other people and. Uh, you know, for a new person in town, it was an opportunity for me to network with some of those folks and get to know them. So that was my first uh, picture of, of Rotary. Um, and it, my um, experience in Rotary has been sort of up and down, if you sort of look at it. Um, there was an opportunity where I actually went to a district conference and um, walked up to a table Extended my hand to several people, and uh, they said, welcome, hello, hello. Extended to one person, and he would not shake my hand, and he just simply said, you would not be part of my club. Uh, that was not that unexpected because simply 
Uh, I'm from Arkansas. I've heard worse. So, well, and 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 for our, because this is radio, we should let our listeners know you are black. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, usually when I'm um, in, in front of people getting ready to do a presentation, the first thing I would say is, uh, "Here's the elephant in the room." For people who don't know, I'm black. <laughs> so, uh, so that didn't bother me that he said that I wouldn't be part of his club. What bothered me was that the other five people who were sitting at the table didn't speak up, didn't say a word, which gave legs to the idea that maybe Rotary is an exclusive organization or maybe there's a certain type of person that belongs to Rotary or that they feel comfortable in Rotary. I didn't get that from Glenwood. Glenwood was a, a very opening type of place. Now, I, I can't say it was 100% that way, right. but most of the people there were very nice, and most of the people I've met in Rotary were, were very nice. But there's a few, you know, at that time that said, yeah, you don't belong in Rotary. Well, I want to – so uh, – we're going to tell everybody what Rotary is all about in a second, okay. but you and I have that in common, okay? Because you were, I'm going to guess, the first in Glenwood, right? Uh, yeah, our, our family is the only black family in Glenwood. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, and me as a transgender person, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there are more and more trans people showing up, but Rotary International as a whole, I think, has oh. no more than 50 transgender people that are members of Rotary International. So we have that in common about meeting people and, and wondering, you know, what are they thinking? Where where am I on their acceptance curve, right? That oh, kind yeah. of thing. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. When we look at the statistics of why people actually leave Rotary, it's because um, they didn't feel comfortable. Right. And that's unacceptable to me. Uh, Rotary on paper... It's a perfect organization. You know, they, 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 they preach diversity, um, integrity, leadership, all those skill sets that should say when you come together, we should be well. uh, a, an active group. And one of the campaigns we're doing this year is to, we want to be people of action. Okay, hold on now. We've been talking about seven for seven minutes, and we haven't really told oh. everyone what Rotary is. So first of all, for people who know nothing about Rotary, when you drive into towns, you know, and they've got the signs that say, you know, welcome to Smithville. Right. And they've got the churches, you know, name there. And then you can see the logo for the Lions, which is a big L and and other organizations. Rotary usually has a presence and it's the way, you know, what I call the wagon wheel. Yes. Right. Yes. OK. And and Rotary is a service org organization. That, it, that's what it's intended to do. Correct. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. OK. Uh, you know, basically, it's a, it's a membership organization that provides outstanding service. You know, when you see our wheel. What it actually says is, is when we started, uh, our organization, Paul Harris, uh, 1905, February the 23rd, uh, we used to rotate the meetings around town in Chicago. So that's why they even got the name Rotary. So that wheel that you see when you go into town symbolizes Rotary and our birth, you know, right. why we're the way we are. And Rotary, I mean, and when we talk about service, mm -hmm. it's it's not only, and we can talk about local service, but it's international service. I mean, Rotary took on, as an organization, took on the eradication of polio. Yes. Right? Yes. Ra and, and raised, is it over a billion yes, dollars? Yes. Easily over a billion dollars. And the, the interesting thing about that, it was a ground up uh, op operation. 
And, that, and that's what Rotary is. Uh, we look at our members as the, the brains of the organization. Uh, it, started in, it started in the Philippines with a small club, and it, now it has morphed to a, a world uh, eradication effort uh, right now in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Are only, only two countries that we, right. we're having uh, some difficulties uh, eradicating the disease, and but some we're working is, hard there. Yeah, yeah. And that was a, a lot of that's because of the war. Yes, you know. Yes. Although we just got a case of polio diagnosed in Ohio or Pennsylvania um, recently, and so that's that's not good. Right. Okay, but but so Rotary meets weekly, right? Yes. You know, and there and you know you pay a membership fee, but they have you know. Historically, a lot of people in, you know, prominent positions within the community, attorneys, doctors, well, not doctors necessarily because they can't make the meetings so often, but, you know, uh, bankers, other, yeah. you know, other people from, res you know, those kinds of quote unquote respected positions. And then clubs take on, they take on various projects, mm -hmm. you know, locally. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I'm part of the club uh, for the City of Lakes, and, and which is in downtown Minneapolis. And mm -hmm. we took on, you know, reading literacy, you know, and bought 10,000 books to donate to, you know, libraries, uh, school libraries within Minneapolis and stuff like that. Right? And uh, Yeah, oh, yeah uh, absolutely. So for the people who, who could see me on radio or can't see me on radio, I'm shaking my head going, yes, yes, yes. Oh, you're absolutely right. But the thing about Rotary is, and the message I want to get out, is that Rotary is in transition. Uh, we are an organization, when we initially started, diversity was at our core values. It's one of our core missions that we have to do. Paul Harris said, we can't survive unless we diverse our membership. Uh, now, Today, that means that we have to reach out in, in different communities and let them know exactly what Rotary is all about. And if we don't, we are actually sticking a, a, a dagger in our own heart. So when you, when you talk about uh, the makeup of Rotary being uh, lawyers and big professionals, but we also include people who are interested in service. Anybody. That's Anybody. exactly right. If, yeah. if, they, if they have a heart for service, uh, then we want you in Rotary. Uh, and Rotary, for, for instance, spans from high school in our Interact Clubs, uh, Rotary Act for young professionals, to Rotary. So, you know, I hate to say it from high school to... To grave, don't, don't, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> to, to my age, but, uh, uh, yeah, so it's, it, 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 it's opening in uh, um, a gap, I guess, in a sense that we want to look for people who really want to get involved in service. And and uh, one of the one of the things I love about Rotary mm -hmm. is it has kind of a very short constitution. There are, there are four things. If you're a Rotarian, there are. It's called the four way test. Yes, it's about the work that Rotary does. Mm -hmm. If I talk about it too much, I get a little emotional because it's a wonderful test. What are the four points? Right? Yeah, you you will have to ask me to look up those four points because, uh, of course. Is it the truth? Is, is number it the one? truth? Is always is always number one. Yep. Is it fair to all concerns? Now we use those two those two things when we make decisions. Uh, every time we have a board meeting, every time a decision decision we make, we say, "Is this fair to all concerns?" Right. And number three is, will it build goodwill and better, better friendships? friendships? Okay. And number four, would it be beneficial to all concerns? So those four points, the four way test. Mm -hmm. You know, my my. 
my shtick about that is, can you imagine if we actually ran the country, you know, <laughs> on those four points? Yes. Okay. Can you imagine if, if we just said this as a country, these, this is going to be the way that we're going to operate. And then if, if so, we would have a whole different country. Yes. I mean, if you just go by the first one, is it the truth? <laughs> How the world would change. So, all right, but let's talk about, you know, the efforts to make Rotary more diverse. Okay. Okay. You're, I mean, historically, as we've already alluded to, there are, there have been challenges for Rotary. I mean, until the late eighties and, and, you know, a Supreme court decision, Rotary didn't let women in. It was only male oriented. So right. Rotary has moved. I mean, and now female membership is somewhere in the what, 30 to 40% range. Yeah. And here in Minneapolis is 33% of our uh, clubs are uh, uh, female. Uh, our goal is to um, internationally to, to be at uh, 30 by the end of the year and the next step is 50%. So we want, but the reality is we want our clubs to reflect their communities. Right. Uh, I think in every community, either women out <laughs> percentage wise, larger than, than, than male or even with, with male. So, you know, that's, that's a hard hurdle to, um, it appears to us to, to, to do. But, um, it's interesting, too. I, I've been lucky enough to um, sponsor certain women into our club, and they've also left, too. And I've had the opportunity to, to interview them because they've been personal friends. And, and, and it boils down to they didn't feel comfortable. So one of the things that Rotary is doing now, we have courses on DEI and microaggression, how you talk to w yep. with people. Rotary overall are good people. Oh, but yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but sometimes the jokes we tell, the things we and how we position yeah. some of the things we, we say offend people. And sometimes folks don't speak up and say, hey, you can't say that. You shouldn't say that to me. But it, it's, it's a learning process. So some a lot of times people look at Rotary as an aircraft carrier. It takes a long time to turn around. But what we're trying to do now is to... Um, Educate our members in, in, for instance, in the simple fact of microaggression so that they will know, hey, I shouldn't say that. I, I've been in several situations where someone would stand up and tell a joke and I'm saying, he didn't really say that, did he? He didn't mean to really say that. Right. And you know the person and you know they're a good person, but... And, and, and a lot, but a lot of it comes down to education that oh, people absolutely. just, you know, absolutely. I mean... Lloyd, you and I are different because we've gotten DEI training. We've gotten multiple of those kinds of trainings. And, of course, I go out and do that work. Mm -hmm. the, the vast majority of people don't know what it is. <clears throat> They've never gone through it. Um, and, and, of course, now we're, we're battling a culture war where people are, you know, I mean, good luck in Florida with Rotary trying to do <laughs> DEI training. Okay? I mean— <laughs> You know, because there's a couple other states too, yeah, I mean, but I won't mention. But it's be, you know, it's I mean, the the pushback mm -hmm. from anything that makes people un anything uh, that makes people uncomfortable, we don't want to talk about. You know, and Rotary also historically has this challenge around well, that's a political topic. We don't want to have political topics here at Rotary. You know, and and we have. I mean, we should let everybody know it's a service club. People get together. It's networking. It's social. Plus, every meeting there's a speaker. Somebody right. comes in, talks in the community about this or that. I mean, 
you know, at uh, City of Lakes, we've had a chef come in and talk about his, you know, his award-winning restaurant. We've had people come in and talk about, uh, you know, the mining uh, um, process up in, you know, the Northwoods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's just very, varied, varied, different things that, and it's very educational for people, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. But I think one of the things that we don't want people to forget is that rotary is fun. Uh, when you people hear about all the serious stuff we do, but um, I always look at it as I'm going to meet some friends and I'm going to have fun and I'm also going to do service um, in my community or international. So that's it's, it's important that we, we have fun and that we give a value to our members because you're right, we're paying dues. Uh, m- one of my early experiences or thoughts about Rotary when I first joined because I was you know sitting in the back of the rooms, small area, uh, it was one of those days nobody was really talking to me or we really wasn't having a conversation. And I'm sitting back saying, I'm paying for this. And uh, normally if, if I'm volunteering, it's free, but I, I'm actually paying for this. I, I should be getting something out of this. Uh, thank goodness the uh, the speaker that day was our foundation uh, chairperson. Uh, he actually drove out to Glenwood to tell us about our foundation. And our foundation is... is I always say it's, it's, it's a special thing of, of Rotary. I joke about it sometimes. I say that's the fertilizer that makes Rotary grow. But it's, it's actually the truth because when each dollar we give to our foundation goes to the foundation for three years. Then it comes back to us, and they match that money with from two to three times or f- up to five times uh, for a project. So I take $1, it comes back as $5, and it can be uh, – sent to a project or be part of a project that uh, can make a difference in the world. Right. You know, when we look at our um, vision statements, um, the last three parts, the, the last three words talks about a change, global change. It talks about change in the community. But the thing that strikes me is the last part is the change in ourselves. When we talk about doing something like eradicating polio, you know, if I'm sitting there just one person said, oh, my goodness, how can I do that? But if you have that mindset, and that's what 99% of Rotarians have, is that I can make a difference, then you can make a difference in your community and also the world. Absolutely. So, yeah. So um, we've got just a couple of minutes left, Lloyd. If Let's say, and I know we have people listening right now okay. who want to volunteer, who want to give up their time, all right? Um, you don't have to be retired to do that. I mean, the, the meetings, <laughs> you know, the meetings are one hour a week and then you get to pick what you want to do for service. What would you say to people who are listening right now, men or women, young or old, different skin colors, different and different socioeconomic oh, standing? Oh, absolutely. What would you say to them about? I would say join Rotary. Um, Rotary, I wouldn't say it's a bad rep. You said only two minutes left. <laughs> You know how I talk. Uh, but the, the reality is Rotary is a very flexible organization. We have clubs that meet only online, and they record their meetings so that you can be – that's a 24-7 club. So you can see the recording and be involved in that. We have clubs that are a hybrid in a sense that uh, the meeting can be live. You can be there in person or because – you know, changing your schedule or something, you can watch it on, on uh, live or, or on, on uh, Zoom. Right. So we're a very flexible organization. We, we have cost-based clubs that focus on certain activities and stuff. So 
if you have a particular interest, we have a club for it. We have over 70 clubs here in our district. So, and I always said it's important that you match yourself up with that right club, and, and the sky's the limit. And if so, they want to find out more about Rotary, where should they go? Our district website, uh, which is uh, District 5950. 50. I had to think about that, <laughs> and I shouldn't have. Uh, Rotary.org. Uh, Okay, and so, they go to that district website, and they will see the information. Or, or they can just Google my local Rotary chapter, yes, right? And, yes, and that will come up. Yes, right. Yes, and 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 Lloyd, I just want to tell you as a Rotarian, okay, I am thrilled. I am absolutely thrilled that you are district governor for this year. Okay. Well, well, thank you. And I'm excited to be district governor when, when, um, before I became president of my club, this is what I wanted to do. I I felt like this was my mission to come in and, and, and show Rotary through my eyes. And, uh, I I hope that I have an impact this year doing just that. Well, I think you will. I mean, you, you're talk, you are talking about the important things that Rotary needs to talk about, about change, about diversity, about inclusion, about making everybody feel as if they belong, as if Absolutely. they matter. All of those things are incredibly important. You know, and with the four-way test, I think Rotary has such potential to be a force for change within our communities. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for having me on your show. This has been uh, uh, it, this is my first time on radio, so this has been oh. an interesting experience, and um, uh, it's, it's been enjoyable. Thank well, you. Well, Lloyd, you seem like a natural. Oh my goodness! Okay. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, listeners, we've been speaking with Lloyd Campbell, who is the district governor for District Five Nine Five Zero of Rotary International. Um, I bet you there is a Rotary Club in your town if you just go check it out. Okay. Please consider Rotary. It is, I can tell you, a great organization. Lloyd Campbell, thanks for being on LE 2.0 Radio. Thank you for having me. Okay, listeners, we'll be back. We'll do my C block where I'll talk about my work as an idealist. Thanks. And I'm back. Uh, please check out Rotary. I, you know, it is a very, very worthwhile organization. I mean, and there are other great service organizations out there as well. You know, the Lions, do, they do great work. The Optimists, they do great work. Um, but Rotary, you know, check them out. They are well worth it. Worth, worth at least checking out. Go to one of their meetings. All right, C Block. Talk about my work. And uh, this, uh, this C block is going to be with a tinge of, not, not a tinge, it's going to be with um, a great deal of, of, of sadness, actually. Um, so many of you know that in addition to doing this, and in addition to going across North America training on diversity, equity, and inclusion, I'm also a writer. I have a book out there. Um, I write for Minnesota Women's Press, not as much as I want, but that may be changing. Um, and... For a decade plus, I think a total of, uh, yeah, yeah, for a decade, um, I uh, was writing for Lavender Magazine. Once a month for the most part, ever since the summer of 2012, 
uh, my column came out, Skirting the Issues, where I wrote about navigating the world as a transgender woman, um, often about the fact that, you know, my voice doesn't match my appearance, and some of the challenges as well as some of the joys. One of my very favorite, very, very favorite columns I've ever wrote for Lavender is titled Hope, which is about an experience I had in San Francisco um, where I literally gave hope to a woman who started crying. And um, I took her into my arms after she'd gone through one of my trainings. I really, really loved writing for Lavender. But now I'm speaking in the past tense because of last, as of last week, I resigned um, from Lavender. There are, let me just tell you, there are phenomenal, fantastic people at Lavender, okay? It is a well, it's a high-quality magazine with high-quality people who are supportive of Ellie Krug and all, you know, they just do great work. However, the publisher, the owner of the magazine has made it clear that no longer can any columnist for Lavender write about anything quote-unquote political. Um, and a column uh, that was cited uh, by him, apparently, as well as by um, an outside conservative group um, that attacked my writing, um, column was about where I wrote about protecting transgender and non-binary and LGB, lesbian, gay, and bisexual kids. About protecting them from what's going on, from being marginalized, from being bullied. I, I, I wrote about that. I also wrote about some of the things that are going on in America, like states, like at this point, 20 states passing laws to ban transgender kids from participating in sports from kindergarten all the way through college senior year in public universities and schools. I wrote that column. As, as I wrote other columns, um, ha- making my voice heard, and urging people to act to protect not only the kids, but anyone who is other in our society. And then, of course, I wrote about other things like riding my bike and, you know, about my dog, Jack, and all that stuff. But apparently, um, apparently, uh, um, Lavender no longer is going to talk about those kinds of things. Instead, it's going to be a life and leisure magazine talking about vacation getaways or the good restaurant that you could go to. The publisher of the magazine is gay. I don't think that's a secret. And my, my, my approach here, on my take on all of this is how can you be the leading LGBTQ plus owned and focused publication in the Midwest and not talk about what's going on negatively affecting LGBTQ plus people. How can you do that? And so um, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to write about my favorite restaurant. Okay, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm not going to write about some trip I'd like to take. And let me just tell you how wonderful the hotel was. I'm not going to do that. Not when in America right now, LGBTQ plus people, but particularly the kids and the youth are at risk, great risk. I mean, so, so I tendered my resignation. Uh, there were other writers who also tendered their resignation, including a protege of mine, phenomenal writer, uh, Chris Hinze, H-I-N-Z-E, who I adore and who's a much better writer than me. He quit as well. And, and at least one other writer quit. I am so saddened by this. I am incredibly saddened by it. I love Lavender Magazine. I love the people who put that out twice a month. But I will not be muzzled. It's just not going to happen. I'm kind and gentle, compassionate, but I'm not going to go quietly without trying to protect those who lack voices. Bobby Kennedy would demand that of me, as well as Dr. King. Not that I'm anywhere close to either of them, They are my models, and I know what they would want me to do. Okay, so let me thank you for listening to that, all right? By all means, go and still get lavender if you want, by all means, but understand when you read it, okay? Understand what is not showing up in that magazine. Okay, well, listen, uh, uh, a big thanks to my producer, Patrick, who's done a great job today. He had to do a little bit of uh, joggling. <laughs> I don't know if that's even a word. And to you, my listeners, thank you for tuning in every month, or every week, sorry, every week. Um, next week, I don't know what I'm doing for sure, whether it's going to be live or not. We'll see. I don't know whether I'm going to have a guest. Um, I got a guest lined up, but they're getting, they got COVID. So we'll, we'll get it figured out. In the meantime, will you do me this favor? Will you go out and do something to make the world better? Will you? All right. Take care. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.